Would you bow and pray with me, please? Father, we're looking up to you in these days because you are the Ancient of Days. You're our God. Through Jesus Christ and through his shed blood, you have purchased us, redeemed us, and made us your own. And we're so glad that you are our rock, our fortress, our stronghold, our deliverer. In days like these, and in all days, we need you. We pray that this global pandemic would actually turn out to be greatly for the furtherance of the gospel. We know that your word, the word of God, is not chained. and We pray that you would unchain it and send it worldwide in the power of the Holy Spirit. May many people be turned into you in these days. Meet us in our service. Most of us at home, some of us in our church building, all of us in your presence. Meet us here, we pray. Work in hearts. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, I have a kind of a long scripture reading for us to get started with. If you want to grab your app and look it up, it's Ruth chapter 1, and it's going to be the first, uh, well, I'm splitting up, so first five verses and then a couple more verses. Ruth chapter 1. The words are going to mysteriously appear on your screen as long as everything's working right, okay? So here we go. In the days when the judges ruled, and just in case you don't happen to know, that was 3,300 years ago in 1300 BC. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Isn't that interesting? In our day, there's a plague in the land. In their day, there was a famine in the land. In both cases, we are socially disrupted, and they were. There was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. Incidentally, we know about the country of Moab from outside of the Bible. There's a famous stone that is called the Moab Stone, in which a Moab king talks about his uh, battles and his armies and what happened and so on. So we know this is for real. The archaeology backs up the Bible. Um, They went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So there they are, a family of four. There's a famine. We need some food. Let's go down to Moab. They have food. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. They're getting older. It's been a while. They've stayed there a while. They want them to get married. They take a Moabite wife. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons, and her husband. So we'll stop there. Let me just summarize the story. You're following along. There's a a famine, so they go down to Moab. While they're in Moab, uh, the boys take some wives, Orpah and Ruth. Husband dies. Both of the son dies. Now you have three three ladies left. You got Mama and her daughters-in-law. So Mama says after a while to the daughters-in-law, look, I'm going to head back to my people and back to my country. Don't you feel like you've got to go with me? Your Moabites stay here if you want to. And the one, Orpah, says, cool, I'm staying here. Thank you very much. But the other one, Ruth, says, no, I'm going to stick with you. 
Here's what Ruth said, Ruth 1, 16 through 18. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. And here are her famous words. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. For your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Kind of like we say in wedding ceremonies, till death do us part. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. The title of this sermon is Honor, Trust, and Loyalty. Honor trust, and loyalty. A whole lot of that story is built on honor, trust, and especially loyalty. There's an amazing picture of loyalty. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. You die, I die. Buried, I'm buried. And nothing's going to part me from you but death. Loyalty. Honor, trust, and loyalty. And I'm preaching on these because they're absolute building blocks of all human relationships which are kind of strained on the planet right now because we're all kind of distant from one another, but we have technology and so we can still get together and we still need honor and trust and, um, and um, now I lost it, honor, trust, and loyalty. Thank you, loyalty. So let's jump right in. Honor. Here's a definition of honor. Honor is to regard with great respect Well, what's the definition of respect? To regard with great honor. So that doesn't really help a whole lot, but I think you know what it means anyway, so I'm not going to worry about it. Honor. So let's ask the question, who are we supposed to honor? Just tell me clearly, Lord, please, so I can know, do I have to honor that person? Do I have to honor that person? Who are the people that I have to honor? Give me the list. Here's a verse that gives you the list. It's a pretty big list. It's 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 17, and Peter says, honor everyone. You see any loopholes in that? You see any conditions in that? Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So who are we supposed to honor? What is honor? It's holding people in high regard and giving them great respect. Who are we supposed to honor? We are supposed to honor everyone. Everybody you ever meet. Every human being you ever look into their their eyes. Any human being you ever come across. Anyone who's ever in your path. Anyone who's ever in your life. The people who live near you. The people who you go and play with at the gym. The people that you work with. The people who are your family. The people who are in government. The people who are other races and nationalities. People who are other genders. You're male. She's female. You still honor her. Um, honor everyone. And the fact that it says honor everyone indicates to us that this honor is based on nothing like their character or their accomplishments, or some great uh, courageous achievement. No, they get honor because they are a creature created in the image of God. That's all it takes 
They are a creature created in the image of God. They are a human being. God tells you, honor them. Show them honor. Show them respect. Now, at other levels, and we see this in the Bible and in society, at other levels, there are additional reasons why we might give someone additional layers of honor. Uh, We're going to see one at the end of the verse, honor the emperor. Well, why is he singled out? Because he's in a position that needs to be honored or we'll have chaos in society. And we'll read elsewhere in the Bible, honor widows. Well, don't they just get the normal baseline honor? They're humans. They're in God's image, so we ought to honor them. No, they get an additional layer. They're also widows, and they're in need, and you should show special honor to them. And then, sounds like I'm kind of promoting myself, but the Bible also says you give pastors honor. Well, don't they just get normal human honor? They get that, but then there's another layer of honor because they're your pastors, and they get honor, and some of them get double honor, so there's another layer of honor, and the, the list could go on and on. So... Every human you ever meet has the baseline value that deserves your respect and your honor. They are a human being. They're a creature made in the image of God. You treat them with respect. You treat them in a way that shows them honor. But then notice at the end of the verse, can we see the verse again, please, if it went away? Uh, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, the emperor is singled out. Why? And there are probably several reasons why. One is, I already hinted at it, uh, it's important that we respect those in government or society breaks down. You've got to respect the emperor. You've got to respect, to bring it into our times, the president. You've got to respect both sides of the house, whoever you like and don't like. You've got to respect the local police officer who pulls you over. You've got to respect a judge if you stand in court. It's very important. In fact, what do we call a judge? We say, yes, your honor. Why do they have us doing that? Because they're really emphasizing you need to honor that man or woman who's the judge or society crumbles. So um, there, are, there are reasons why he singles out uh, the emperor, and one of those is because that is the highest office in your government. But maybe this is another reason why he singles out the emperor. What do we know about their emperor? Who was it? What was his name? That was Nero. Was he a good guy? Did did he deserve honor and respect for his character? No. You know what Nero did? He burned Rome and then blamed it on the Christians. He took Christians and hung them up on pikes and smeared their bodies in pitch and lit it on fire to give light to his garden parties at night. He was uh, maniacal. He was murderous. He was a terrible, terrible man. And knowing that, Peter writes to these people, honor the emperor. And you can just hear a Christian say, wait a minute, Nero? You mean Nero? I'm supposed to honor Nero? Yes, you are. Well, I sure can't honor him for his character or his deeds, no. But you give him baseline honor. He's human. He gets that. And he gets another layer from you because he is the emperor. And in society, we need to to treat people in high places with respect. Now, by the way, does this have any applications for our present political condition? Do you like or do you not like? Or are you undecided what you think about the present president or the past one or the one to come? Doesn't matter. I have no idea who the next one's going to be. I think I know what it looks like, but I have no idea who the next one's going to be. But whoever the next one or the next one or the next one is, I can tell you this, God tells me to honor them. 
they get a special layer of honor. And just as a hint, and maybe this is getting a little too close to politics for some of you, but I don't think it is. I think it's just Bible. None of this, whoever you, if you don't like him or, or do you like him, none of this, not my president stuff. Because it's dumb to start with. The person literally is your president. They got elected legally. They are your president. And when you say not my president, you're being an anarchist. And the Bible does not permit you to say, well, I'm not going to honor that one. No, you've got to say, it's not the one I wanted, maybe, but it's who I got, and I'm going to treat them with respect. So, interesting. The emperor, in our case, the president, is singled out. Well, you might ask, is anybody else singled out in Bible? We all in the Bible, we all get that baseline layer of honor. We all get respect because we're creatures created in God's image. We bear his image and his likeness. Are there any other singled out? There's there's that, then there's the emperor. Are there any other individuals singled out? And there are. I'll just mention several, and there aren't many more than several. But here's the first one, 1 Peter 3, 7. Read it with me, please. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. Oh, you girls are liking this one now, aren't you? Like, I hope hubby's listening. This is good. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, and so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, it's not my objective to try and explain everything in that verse right now, but I want to focus in, obviously, on the part, husbands showing honor to the woman. So she gets honor just because she's a human being. She's a creature created in the image of God. But there's another layer of honor that gets put on top of that here, and that is she is your wife. And what husbands do for wives is show them honor. She is to appear to others that you honor her. She is to feel honored. You put her in a special place of respect and honor. Notice the terms used since she's a weaker vessel, meaning that in most cases there are exceptions, but in most cases you're a stronger vessel. Uh, stronger physically in most cases, perhaps stronger in certain emotional ways in some cases, but uh, certainly the physical Um, a picture is worth a thousand words to picture the difference between you and her. I don't know how this picture is going to work up. It's going to work out all right. right? So here's a picture of your wife. There she is. That, by the way, is Royal Dalton Pastoral Fine Bone China. We got that when we got married. Somebody gave us a whole set of it. We use it about once every 15 years, but sits there in the cabinet. That's my wife. She's a delicate dish. Now here's a picture of me. All right, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm like a cast iron frying pan. Now the frying pan is supposed to treat the delicate dish in a special way. The cast iron frying pan is supposed to treat the, the fine bone china with great care, showing honor and carefulness and respect to it. And back to the verse, if you will, please. That's kind of what Peter's saying. I'm just trying to illustrate it with a picture. You're the husband... You're the cast iron pot. Show honor to that delicate dish of a wife. She'll love you for it. Treat her with extra, extra, extra respect. Say, well, how should I do that? Well, there are a million examples. Let me just give you one. It's really a pretty obvious one. There's nothing profound about this at all, but it's just a suggestion. The Bible doesn't say this is the way to show honor, but I'm just saying this is one way you could, and this is one way I always do. 
I opened the car door for my girl. In our case, it's usually the truck. I much prefer the truck. It's the truck door. Um, and if it's cold out, I'll go out and start the truck ahead of time and get warmed up, get her seat warm, because it's got seat warmers, and then go out and hop her right in there. And, and it's just a little way of showing her honor. Yeah, I open the doors for you. You're getting special treatment. You don't open doors for me. I'll open the door for you. Just a little way. And there are a million, million, million little ways that you can honor your wife. More about some ways later. Wives, are you liking this? Is this good? All right. Now I want to point out to you regarding other people who get honor. That's only one verse. Guess who else gets honor? Yeah, him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. First Peter 3, 1 through 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, I take that to mean they're not a believer, they're not, even if you're married to a non-Christian, they may be one without a word. You're not going to him into the kingdom. It's not going to work. They may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. When he sees the way you respect him so, and men like respect, right? Huh? The way I'm preaching here, I got two ladies right there and two men right there, and the rest are back in the sound booth. So when I talk to ladies, I'm over here. When I talk to men, I'm over there. Men like respect, right? We like that Aretha Franklin song, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Uh-huh. That's what we want, some respect. And the Bible says, it's a different Greek word, but it's the same idea. Wives, you respect that man. So, Everybody on the planet gets honor by virtue of being human, made in the image of God. People in special positions get honor. Widows, pastors, um, government people, folks in family get honor. Wives get honor. Husbands get honor. There's a lot of honor we're supposed to be rendering around the planet. You say, well, uh, how should we show some honor? This is not an inspired list. These are, again, just some suggestions, and I'm going to go through it really quickly, but you'll see them appear on your screen as I do. You honor people by what you think about them. It starts in your thoughts. You can't be dishonor, 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 dishonor in your thoughts and treat them right. It won't happen. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you don't honor them with your heart... You're not going to honor with your mouth or, or with the way you treat them. So it starts with how you allow yourself to think about them. Then it moves to what you do for them, like open the door of the truck, and then how you treat them when things are going on and how you listen to them. If you honor that woman, you'll listen. You'll listen carefully. Uh, you'll listen to understand. You'll listen to empathize. And by the way, I just want to point out that psychologists tell us that rolling your eyes is the ultimate sign of human contempt. So you don't roll your eyes at her or at him or at anybody. Maybe in private sometimes you can go, oh. <laughs> but you don't roll your eyes. It's, it's how you listen to them. It's how you notice them. Do you notice people or do you walk right past them like they don't exist? Like, for example, I've, I live in a little neighborhood. We're, we're garage townhomes. It's about 30 homes, I think, 30, 33 homes. And um, we pay some money into a HOA, and the people come and do our lawns. And I'm not trying to make any comments that have to do with different nationalities or whatever, but they're, the guys in the, on the crew are uh, Hispanic. Most of them don't speak any English at all. I know, because I've tried. And I notice 
I have never seen one of my neighbors, not one, ever wave at them, acknowledge them, nod to them, say hi to them, talk with them. And I'm just telling you, because I like people. I find it's really not honor. It's just I like people. I've been out there with them many times. Um, I've taken them cold water on a hot day. Uh, I, and you know, I've tried to remember some of the uh, Spanish words I know, like um, muy, oh, what is it when it's hot out? Muy calet. Caliente, that's it. Thank you. Good to have a few people here to help out when the sermon's falling apart. Uh, but anyway, do you notice people? And because you're honoring them. It's how you talk to them. It's how you talk about them. Wives, this is very important. When you talk to others about your husband, do you honor him? When you talk to your parents about your husband, when you talk to your girlfriends about your husband, is he honored in that conversation? It's how you talk about them. It's how you're patient with them. Guys, you know the saying, um, you wait your whole life for the right one to come along, and then you wait the rest of her life for her to come along. Right? She's in the bathroom getting all beautified. It's worth waiting for, isn't it? It's good. It's worth waiting for. After, After church... You see husbands out in the car with the motor running. They're going like this. And the wife is inside, and she has not yet given out all the words that she needs to that morning. And she has not yet heard all the words that she needs to that morning. And he's out there like, come on, we need to get home. Patient. Patient. And it's also you honor them in how you overlook their mistakes. When you're all over them for every little infraction... You're not honoring them. You honor them when you say, it's all right. I make mistakes too. I forgive you. So, got to summarize, and that took way longer than I expected to, but I promise I'll get you, quote, out of here in time, all right? Um, So you freely honor everyone, and you honor some in extra special ways. Now, let's move up from honor. Let's move up to trust. Let's move up one rung on the emotional, relational, rather, ladder. We go from honor to trust. What is trust? Let me give you a definition. Trust is a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Uh, I, I trust something. So this is about who do you trust, and can people trust you? I'm to honor all people. Now am I required to trust all people? No, you honor all. You trust some. You trust some, and the Bible teaches that. Let me show you an example. Proverbs eleven thirteen reads, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. There are people you can trust. You can tell them your secrets. It's not going to go viral. They're faithful to you, and there are people you should not trust. It will go viral, and they will not be faithful to you. There are some people you should trust, and there are other people you should not trust. Now, let me clarify. There are different nuances and layers of trust, different circumstances. You might trust this person for that thing where you wouldn't trust them for this thing, and vice versa. For example, uh, very often on Friday mornings, well, Debbie's not working at Wegmans now because of the global pandemic, but she'll be back afterward, I think. 
um, but when she was working, I would go over there on Friday morning and I have 15 minutes with her from 10 till 10.15 when she's taking her little break. And she'll get a coffee and I'll sip it and she'll sip it and we'll sit there and enjoy 15 minutes together. And then she leaves. Now, sometimes when I go over there, I have gone with my motorcycle and I've got a helmet sitting on the thing beside me and she leaves. She's all done. I've been sipping her coffee. I need to go to the men's room before I ride home. So what do I do with my helmet? They're expensive. So here's what I do. I look for the most trustworthy people sitting in there. Like there's three ladies at the next table. They're all senior citizens. They probably don't want my motorcycle helmet. So I say, excuse me, ladies. Would, and, and I trust them with my helmet. And then I want to come back. We joke, did anybody try to take my helmet? Oh, we got them for you and all that. So uh, I've done that many, many, many. I've done that with lap, my laptop many, many, many times over there in Wegmans in the sit-in eating area. People watch over my goods for me. But now let's change the story. Let's say it's you, mama, and you have a three-month-old in the basket, and you need to go to the potty before you leave. Do you say to anybody in that room, could you watch my baby? Only if you know them really well. So there are all kinds of nuances to this about who you trust and why you trust them and when you trust them. But what we're talking about in general, in a very general way is, is this a person I can trust to move in closer to? And am I a person they can trust to move in closer to? Or in other words, can I trust them to treat me rightly? I'm going to skip down a little bit because my time is really running out, guys. Uh, Some psychologists call this smart trust. Smart trust. So you got to be careful who you trust. I would like to say more about that, but i got to move on. I want to get to loyalty. Let's go down to loyalty. And we have now moved up another rung on the relational ladder. Loyalty. What is loyalty? It is a strong feeling of support or allegiance. So we honor all, we trust some, we're going to develop a serious and deep loyalty to just a few. Now, there are other ways you'll be loyal to this one or that one, but it's not in a big overarching whole life way. It's in a certain circumstance or a certain issue. But there are some, there are a few. You're going to be like loyal, like Naomi and Ruth. Your people, my people, where you go, I go, where you die, I'm dying, and I will not leave you till death parts it. That's the kind of loyalty I'm talking about. And loyalty like that is built over time. After there's been honor, 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 honor that led to trust, 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 and now you get to a point with some where you say, "Mm, this is loyalty. I'm sticking with them. They're one of my people. Here's how it looks in the Bible. Proverbs 18, 24 talks about loyalty. It says, a man of many companions may, I'm going to add the word yet, in spite of having many companions, may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Do you see what that means? Here's a guy with many, 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 many companions, but he's doing badly in his business and he's headed toward ruin. And what do they do? They scatter. Fair weather friends. They're not going to help him out in his time of need. They're not going to stand with him. A man may have many companions and yet still end up in ruin because they do not come to your aid. But, by contrast, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's loyalty. That's your loyal friend. You have other friends who scatter. You have a friend who sticks. That word sticks. Remember that word sticks. It's going to come back several more times. It sticks like glue. It sticks to you. Here's another verse, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times 
not just fair weather, friend, all times. And a brother is born for adversity. When you're in adversity, a brother sticks with you. You need some people like that in your life. You need some brothers and sisters in Christ who you trust, 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 and who you honor, 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 ahead of that, and who now have become loyal friends. Here's a phrase that they use in the world. I'll put it up for you. Thickest thieves. You know that one? They're thickest thieves. You know where that came from? I did a little reading because I wanted to know. In the early 1800s, a lot of thieves operated in gangs, and they had to cooperate and work on plans together and work out their, their you know, how's this going to go off together? And everybody had to be absolutely tight with each other. They were thick. And so the saying came out, thickest thieves. And you need some people with whom you are thick as thieves. In fact, let me take you back to the first wedding. Remember that stick word now. And remember in the first wedding, we get the phrase, and we'll put it up for you, leave and cleave. Remember God brought the woman to the man. This is your wife. Adam said, woo-hoo, where you been all my life, baby? God pronounced the man and wife. And it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave. The, the Hebrew word cleave means, I'll put it up, it's up, it means to adhere, to stick, to cling, to cleave like gum, to join. That's, that's loyalty. It's leave and cleave. You're glued to you. Do you know who Sugarland is, the musician? I know some of you don't like country. Sorry, I do. Um, and she is an awesome singer, and I believe she is a sister in Christ from everything I can tell. And she's even done some, a lot of like gospel music and, and stuff. But she's got a song. Here are the words. I'm putting them up for you. It goes, I wonder if she knew this is the Genesis word. It goes, I'm stuck on you. Whoa-oh, whoa-oh, whatever that means. Stuck like glue. You and me, baby, we're stuck like glue. Which is hardly profound. Um, she's not a philosopher. But she's on to something biblically. Loyalty. We're stuck like glue, and through, through thick or through thin. You need friends like that, and you need to be a friend like that. Now, let me show you quickly the apex of loyalty, and of course it is found in the Lord God. I'm going to read for you Exodus 34. You follow along, please. The words are on the screen. Moses wants to know more about God. And the Lord passed before had been proclaimed, the Lord the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love, or as the English Standard Version has it, abounding in steadfast love. Steadfast means loyal, same thing, and faithfulness. Keeping loyal love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is the apex of loyalty. This is the greatest loyalty found in the universe. The Lord Jesus says to all his blood-bought sons and daughters, I'm abounding to you in loyal, steadfast love. As he says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. So let me summarize the message. I'll put this on a slide. So you freely honor everyone and you trust some, and you're faithful to a few. All right, I'm going to close with two suggestions. All of that was to get to these two suggestions. The reason I cut stuff out and hurried ahead was because I wanted to get to these two suggestions. 
Here's what the whole sermon is for. If you fell asleep, wake up. Here's the two suggestions. They're only suggestions. The Bible doesn't command these things. These are coming from my little mind, but I think they're pretty good suggestions. Here's suggestion number one. You need a few loyal, trustworthy friends with whom you can be and with whom you are 100% real. You need that. You're in Christ. You need somebody else in Christ, preferably, but even friends who aren't in Christ, you can be tight with them too. But you need some loyal, trustworthy friends with whom you, with whom you, be, can, you can be 100% real. Like David had a Jonathan, and Ruth had a Naomi, and Paul had a Timothy, and Jesus had a, who was his? John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who laid his head on Jesus' shoulder. You need people you can turn to, people you can trust, people who will stand with you, people who will stick to you like glue, people who will empathize with you, people who will care for you, people who will challenge you when you need to be challenged. They'll love you and care enough that they will challenge you. Hey, man, you're messing up. They will correct you. You need that. This is one of the very best things on the planet Better than a new car, better than a new house, better than new furniture, better than new clothing, better than all kinds of things money can buy is loyal, faithful friends. That's where life gets really good, especially in Christ. You say, how do I get there? Here's my second closing suggestion. You need to be that loyal, trustworthy friend to a few others. That's how... You get it. You say, I want some friends like that. How do I get them? You become one, and then you get it back. You have to give to get. You have to invest to enjoy. You have to trust to be trusted. You have to be loyal to get loyalty. So don't sit all alone and wait for people to become your loyal friends. You need to go and invest in them and become loyal friends. And then they'll suddenly show up. Honor, trust, and loyalty. And the apex of them is found in our Heavenly Father. He's a loyal and a faithful God. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, we are praying to you that people who listen to this message, people who read these scriptures that we've read and who open their hearts to your word, we pray that they would discover your loyal and steadfast saving mercies. We pray, O oh Father, that you will draw people to yourself in these very moments and as others listen later on, may people pass from death unto life. And we who have so passed, we look up to you and pray that we would be loyal to you, that we would always trust you, that we would always show respect to you, and that you would increase our ability to then pour that out on those around us. Make us trustworthy, faithful, loyal friends. Lord Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for sinners like us on Calvary's tree. And as we come now to the communion table, we seek to remember you. Help us to feel to sense your goodness and your love as we do. 
We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's time for us to take